Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. It's nice to hear uh, the word read in church. And uh, today we heard from the book of Acts uh, chapter 2, because today on the, on the Christian calendar is Pentecost. And, uh, and I thought it pertinent that we, that we acknowledge the, the, the amazing um, beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read from uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 47 to you, just a couple of verses. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You know, my favorite line out of that scripture is it's this. It says, thus it is written, thus it was necessary. What amazing words. You know, the, 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 the world's on this search for, for um, to find themselves and, and, and this search for truth and for wisdom and for direction. And, and I love it that our search is already, it's already explained. And I love that line, thus it is written, thus it was necessary. And I want to to encourage you this morning that that this book is is the great guideline. It's It's the great anchor. It's the great direction. And it contains the great wisdom of our great God. And if you're looking for hope and if you're looking for direction, if you anchor yourselves in this, then your life will be a reflection of thus. It is written, thus it was necessary for us to live in this time, for, that, for, for us to, to have these lives and for us to impact our community in this way because God has positioned us. He's positioned us for this season to do this work. I love that, you know, I love the Christian calendar. I, I hang out with all the ministers in, in Noosa once a month and, and a lot of them uh, run their preaching year by the, the um, liturgical calendar, which is all of the, you know, all of the, the different, uh, the, basically the, the, the calendar of the scripture through, throughout, a, throughout our calendar year. And I asked, uh, I asked the Catholic priest uh, one time why they do that. And he said something very interesting. He said, he said, the, the thing with you Pentecostals, he said, is you're always living in the moment and you're always inviting God into your moment. And he said, you know what we do? He says, there's many things wrong with what we do too, don't worry. But there's this one thing that we do, is we revolve our services around God's calendar and around his will. And instead of inviting God into our will, we, we ask God permission for us to come into his will. 
And I thought, gosh, you need to come and share that with our church. I nearly told you that without acknowledging the source. I was, thought it was that good. Isn't that interesting? So today we're going to consider God's calendar. And today on God's calendar, we celebrate Pentecost. What amazing words that, that uh, Matt read out this morning. And, uh, you know, we, could, we, we love that. We love those verses. We love that, that, that scripture. I mean, you know, we're, we are a Pentecostal church. So that moment is, is something that we, we, uh, we, we revere and we love. And uh, just following that moment, I want to I tell a bit of a story. I want to read from um, Acts 3 and 4 this morning out of, um, out of uh, what Peter and, and John were up to. And uh, in chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to pray at the hour of prayer. Now, the key words, the key words here was they were on their way. And I think, I think that, that it's something that, that, that we can get caught up in in life is we can get caught up in um, what we see people in the scriptures do on their way. We make our destination. God's saying, where, we, here's the thing. Where were they on their way? They were on their way to pray. And by the way, on their way, there was a sick man in front, of, in front of them. And Peter said, with those famous words that we know and love, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Or get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. But where were they going? They were on their way to pray at the allocated time. And I want to suggest to you this morning two things. I want to suggest to you that we need to be on our way in the direction of God. But we don't need to be so on our way in the direction of God, so focused that we miss what actually God is doing on the way. And we also don't want to get so distracted by what's on the way that we forget where we're going and we start wandering around in circles. We don't have the luxury of, of going, you know, of accepting Christ and going straight to the kingdom. We don't have, we don't get to go straight up in, when we get saved. Wouldn't have made, we're, but we know we are on our way there. But on the way, God's doing business through his people. He wants to do business through you. And I want to encourage you, be clear and have clarity about where you are headed in the long run. But also be, have your eyes open to what God is doing on the way there at the same time. So on their way, man, you know, they, they, healed, they healed this guy. And then when, they healed, when, when he was healed, everyone just flocked to them. They flocked to them. And, it, and we pick it up in chapter 3, verse 12. Peter says to these people, he says, men of Israel, women were fine. It was only the men who had the problem. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in presence, in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, 
I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. What an amazing comeback. Peter and and John, they they just saw this guy healed through their words, through Christ, but through their words, after they spoke. And everyone flocked to them. Isn't it amazing when, when we gather a crowd, when, when people see something amazing happen and, we, and a crowd gathers, what do we do? We, we entertain the crowd. What did they do? They rebuked the crowd for coming. For, folk, for coming for the wrong reasons. For coming in awe of the natural instead of in awe of the great gift that Christ gave. Today's, today's uh, is Pentecost. You know the last 53 days in the Christian calendar, pretty amazing. Jesus is denied by one of his closest people. He goes through that whole season up until the cross where he dies. Then while he's dead, you know, he takes, he goes to death in Hades and deals with, deals with all that area, which is another preach. Then he raises from the dead. For the next 40 days and 40 nights, he makes some amazing appearances and does some amazing miracles, walks through some walls, has something to eat to prove that he's, you know, all this, there's this amazing context of proof around his, him being resurrected. And then he ascends to the Father in front of people. And then nine days after his ascension, the Holy Spirit comes. What an amazing, if you're going to be present on earth for the 53 days, they're the 53 you want to be present for. What an amazing, amazing time. And after he says these things, he goes on. He, after he rebukes them for being there for the wrong reasons, for being there for selfish reasons, he says this in verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't it interesting that the people want to be refreshed through a healing and he rebukes them and says, you will be refreshed through your repentance. What an amazing consideration this morning. The first thing that that they do is they send to the people. And then the second thing they do is they send to the leadership. In Acts 4, it says this, it says, As John and Peter spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temples, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, which means they roughed them up, and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So we know after the day of Pentecost, you know, that, that it says some 3,000 were saved. And then just these, after these guys speaking, another 2,000 were added. Amazing, amazing time. And it came to pass on the next day when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, before we hear what, what, uh, what they said, what Peter, what Peter had to say, let's look at how Peter and John got to this place. They'd spent about three years with Jesus. 
doing life with him. They watched him. They listened to the way he spoke. They, they saw, you know, that Peter denied him and, and um, you know, and, and was restored. And, 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 they, and they got to see Jesus walk in the miraculous. They got to see how he spoke to the Pharisees. They got to see this amazing three years. And, they, and then they had a clarity of their mission. Their mission was very clear. They heard it out of the mouth of Jesus. We read it at the start. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. They knew what their mission was. Their mission was clear. Their authority was clear. Jesus said to them, we read it in Matthew 28, he says, all authority has been given to me. He said, go, for all authority has been given to me. So we understand that their mission was clear. They're preaching repentance and remission of sins. Their authority was clear. Their authority was to go in the name of Jesus baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Their authority was clear. Their power was clear. We read earlier that, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city of Jerusalem. When? Until you are endued or filled with power from on high. They knew their mission. They knew their authority. They knew that power was coming. Power to do what? Power to do the mission. To establish something new to speak hope where there's no hope, to love unconditionally, to give people the good news. Their mission was clear. They knew their authority and they were waiting for their power to come from on high. How did they wait? Acts 1.14, they all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication. With one accord together with one mind, unitedly, unanimously, they gathered around waiting to be endured with power from on high. There were no divided interests. Let me just say this to you this morning. Jesus is the end of your independence. We, we live in a very independent society. We, we, you know, I have these discussions regularly about this with people, and we, uh, the, you know, the reality is the world is desperate for community, but they don't desperately want to give up their independence. Our two great dreams are in opposition from each other. We're destined to be in, to be connected, but we don't want to give up our independence. Just as I thought, Pentecost is the Jewish feast celebrating the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Interestingly, the Spirit poured out on that day that celebrates the law being given. See, if we're led by the flesh, then we need the law to guide us. But if we're led by the Spirit, it says in Galatians 5, against such things there is no law. Isn't it interesting Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. And he sends his spirit, endues us with power from on high. Saying, And when we're filled with the spirit, when we're led by the spirit against such things, there is no law. When we read the, the fruit of the spirit, we understand that, you know, it, with, with love and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and, and all of those nine things, we, we understand that there's no law against these things. There's no law against being patient. Unless you're just patient at a stop sign a little bit too long. So Peter and John had the mission, they had the authority and they had the power and they were a part of a community in one accord. Back to the text. 
So the court asked, by, by what power or by what name have you done this? Have you healed this man? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says these amazing words. Let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This stone, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Wouldn't it be great just to drop that bomb every now and then on somebody? You know, when we, when we, when we allow this to be our guide and to be our anchor, and the Holy Spirit leads us. He doesn't have to invent words. The words have already been written. The words have already been sealed. Jesus said, it is finished. We don't need new words. We need to be living the words that he's already given us. We need to be living in the story that has already been sealed. And he said, we don't, we don't need to worry about the Holy Spirit leading us into new words. He's going to remind us of his great word, which is liberty and life is in and through Christ inspired created a bit of a checklist for us this morning when you look at your life can you check the boxes mission check repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations can you check that box what does that mean does that mean that we all have to travel to all the nations or does does it mean that we need to live a life in the presence of people. You know, why, how, you know, the Bible talks about always be ready to, do, to explain the hope that is in you. And we're talking about the, 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 the repentance and the remission of sins. That's how we explain the hope that is in you. We explain the hope that's in us because we can say, I have hope because I'm no longer bound by my yesterdays. I'm no longer bound by the words that I said yesterday. I am bound by the hope that is in Christ. Tick, authority, check, sent by God. Go into all the world in my name. I think, I think one of the things, you know, it talks about, you know, when we, say, we, when we pray, we always say in Jesus' name at the end. The power is not in saying in Jesus' name. The power is in, in that our life is living in his name, for his name, so that he gets the glory, he gets the praise, it's his will that's done. So when we ask, we're asking things that he he is interested in. Not in him serving our need, but us surrendering to his need. Like my Catholic brother said, it's about asking God whether we can enter into his will instead of asking God into our moment. Power. Check. Let it be known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Where's the power come from? It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from the church. It doesn't come from, from learning the right prayers. It comes from being fully submitted to God and just seeing what he's doing. You see, we're on a, we're on, we're on a mission toward God. But on the way, we see God's will happening before us. And when we see God's will, we participate in it. And we say, there's something of God's will. 
Jesus is walking along with all these people in the crowd and he sees Zacchaeus sitting up in the tree watching and he says that's God's will. He's, he's, he becomes alert to God's will. He's led by the Holy Spirit to see what God is up to. Community, check. Am I in one accord with my community? It's the battleground of the modern faith, isn't it? It's the modern faith is we, in the information age, we get to be participate in many communities all at the same time via, via um, the, the, the great interweb of, of, um, of uh, you know, that platform, which, is, which, which, gives us, which, which gives us amazing access, but it, help, it challenges us in the area of being in one accord. Because we, if we're in one accord with all the churches of the world and all the communities of the world, then it's very difficult for us to be in one accord in one place. We have an obsession with travel. I love to travel, but only to one place. But you can't guess where that is. Am I in one accord with my community? And then the final check is the on-the-way check. Check that I'm not so busy praying at the organized time that I miss the will of God on the way. Sometimes we can get so caught up in our strategy that we miss the will of God. It's interesting our tonight's discussion in the elephant room is, is about structure or the leading of the Spirit. Sometimes we can... We can, we can get so caught up in the structure that we miss the leading of the Spirit. Sometimes we can get so caught up looking for the leading of the Spirit that we miss the greatest direction of God. It's a great discussion. It's an important discussion. And I, like all of these polarized discussions that we're having, sometimes there's not a clear answer. But what it does do is we gain a new consideration and an awareness of what God is up to. This isn't a choice, this checklist. It's a package deal. So you can have all the power and miss the mission. And you can actually become disruptive to the work of God. You can have all the mission, but no power. You can have a form of godliness with no power if you've got all the strategy, but no, no power. So let's keep going. Verse 13. Now, when the court saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Why? Because it says this, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. See, it's Christ in you that releases hope. When you speak your wisdom, all I hear is your wisdom. But when you speak, and I go, how do you know such things? I go, who have you been spending time with? You know, when you're having a conversation with someone and they're, 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 um, they're regurgitating the latest podcast they listen to on, during the week, and you go, that doesn't sound like you. You know, they're spru- like, like they're spruiking off all this amazing wisdom. You go, that doesn't sound like you. Who have you been listening to? Who have you been listening to this week? Who have you been spending time with this week? Isn't it amazing back then? The only answer they could come up with is that these two had spent time with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if someone looked at you and said, man, you've been spending time with Jesus. When Jesus spoke at the temple, the Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? Even Jesus, they even said that about Jesus. 
There's a thread through the whole gospel that is very significant. And I mentioned it earlier, it's that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the end of your independence. What you, what you think, what you say, holds very little value compared to what you say after spending time with Jesus. We can have the greatest strategy. We can read the greatest philosophical books. We can do all these great ventures and be well-traveled and well-read and well-versed. But unless we spend time with Jesus, people won't recognize Jesus. They'll recognize your philosophy. Ah, is that Plato that you've mentioned? Ah, Socrates. Ah, is that Immanuel Kant? Is that, what, is, what are all these, you know, what is this amazing, you know, who, who, we know who you've been spending time with. The world is desperate to see and to recognize that people have spent time with Jesus. Christ is the end of your independence. Uneducated men who spent time with Jesus marveled people. Jesus said simply these things to us. He said, love God, love people. When Jesus was born, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. God sent them out in twos. Amazing verses, verse is, is, is Ephesians 4.16. It says this, through Christ the whole body, joined and knit together by what? By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The strength of the, the, strength of the community, the strength of God's work here is by what every joint supplies, not by what Kristen supplies. Not by what Amy supplies or what Kerry supplies. But what Amy and Kerry's relationship supplies. By Kerry and God's relationship supplies. There's only two types of relationships that we can have. We can have a vertical one and we can have a horizontal one. And it's the joint. It's those relationships that add value. Your gift doesn't add value. God, he, can give, he, give, he gives gifts Without repentance, they're everywhere. He reigns on the just and the unjust. These things are across the board. But relationships are out of our free will. By what every joint supplies is where the help is. Jesus, Why did Jesus send them out in twos? Because it's in our relationship that we add value. And he says, I want you to have it. You know, why did he create marriage you know, and then compare it to the church's relationship with with um, Christ because he wants us to understand that relationship is how we add value. The first relationship is with God because if we don't have that one right, we tend to mess up the horizontal relationship. But when we get the first one right, then we get to get the second one right and then the second one builds the value that we have in our communities. The people in your life are going to ask probably not with these words, but they're going to ask something like, by what power or by what name have you done this? Why is your family so functional? Or why is your family so dysfunctional and you're still so happy? Why do you have so much hope and so little money? Why do you always seem to have great stories to tell without any capacity to go on a tour or an adventure. 
And then you, filled with the Holy Spirit, might just say something like this. Well, let it be known to you all that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom we all crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him I have this hope. By him I have this joy. By him I have these great stories to tell. Chris and I are building a house at the moment and we're building it differently to other people. And, and here's, my, here's, here's what I say to you in advance. There's going to be a great story. It's going to be an amazing story of success or an even more epic, amazing story of grand failure. But either way, there's going to be good preaching fodder for all. <laughs> Sometimes it's actually more about the story than it is about it, isn't it? See, if we, if we understand that where we're headed is not building a house, where we're headed is toward the kingdom of God, on the way, we're going to build a house. On the way, church, is where God does business through us. Let's make sure we're headed in the right direction so that when we're on the way, we don't get caught up in our own mess. We don't get caught up in our own lack or in our own magnificence. Arabella gets dressed this morning. She's all beautiful. And, uh, and I said, well, you're, you're more beautiful than I could ever be, Arabella. And she says, Dad, I'll stand in front of you. Then we can both be beautiful. <laughs> She's so beautiful, even the people around her all of a sudden look beautiful. This stone, which was rejected by you builders, has become the chief cornerstone. Let's make sure where we are building on the right foundation and heading in the right direction without neglecting what God's doing on the way. See, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Why doesn't the band jump up? Now, I want to teach you, just to finish off, I want to teach you the negative approach to God. It's very important that we get this negative approach right. They used to, the old boys used to say, if, we, if you have a negative approach to God, everything's going to be okay because they'll say nothing, nothing, nothing but God. Isn't it amazing when we say nothing but God that we enter into a paradox where he supplies all our needs? You see, the negative approach to God is Matthew 6, 33, seeking first the kingdom. Nothing but God. Nothing but heading in his direction. But then on the way, he supplies our needs. Then on the way, we have amazing relationships. Then on the way, we see people saved, healed, delivered, set free, lifted up. We, see, we hear great stories. We tell great stories. Let's ask God if he'll have us in his will instead of inviting him into our moments. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for what this day represents on the calendar. We thank you, Father, this isn't just the beginning of the church. It's the beginning of the new work of your Holy Spirit. 
So, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would lead us into truth. Lord, as we fix our eyes upon your kingdom, heading towards your kingdom, Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to your will on the way, your hope on the way, your story on the way, the great adventures of life and relationships on the way. Because we want to see you glorified. We want to see your name lifted up. And we want to be able to constantly explain the hope that is within us, no matter what our story looks like. So as we go today, Father, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to your will, to your ways, to what you are up to, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church. 